39. Ouroboros. Original air date, 31st of January, 1997. Hello and welcome to Scottcast 39. This week I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. And Andy. Hello. We'll be reviewing the episode Ouroboros, the extended version, after a quick synopsis read by Anthony. Over three million years ago, in a Liverpool pub, a box with a baby inside is placed under a pool table with just the words Ouroboros written on the side. Returning to the present day, the crew come across a wormhole between dimensions. They go through the wormhole and meet alternate versions of themselves. Rimmer isn't there, Lister is a hologram, Kachansky is alive, and Crichton is wearing a gold suit. They decided to exchange information and supplies, with Kachansky requesting that Lister fills a canister up with his sperm so that she may have a child, as her Lister cannot bear children. Unfortunately, Lister's in-laws, the Gelfs, attack and cause a break in the wormhole, and Kachansky becomes caught on this side. They eventually manage to escape the Gelfs thanks to Kachansky's navigation. Crichton is jealous because Lister likes Kachansky more than him and is glad when they return to the wormhole to get her back to her own dimension. On a box of supplies, Lister notices a label, Ouroboros, with a symbol on it, a snake biting its own tail. The sign of infinity, a never-ending circle. Lister recognises this as what is written on his own box and realises that he must be his own father and Kachansky his own mother. He rushes after Kachansky to get the in vitro tube back before she returns to her reality. Disaster strikes as the girls return and make another break in the wormhole, even bigger this time. Kachansky tries to jump across and misses the other side, falling into the deep black void. While she's falling, Lister rushes back, gets a crossbow and a rope, which Crichton happened to have handy, and harpoons Kachansky and pulls her back to their side. Eighteen months later, Lister takes he and Kachansky's child and puts him in a box, writing a Ouroboros on it, and places it under a pool table in a pulp. Thank you very much, Anthony. The first scene starts, and it's set in the Igbeth Arms in Liverpool, November 26, 2155. Well, the Igbeth Arms, it's... Um it's actually the name of a pub that Rob and Doug used to drink in whilst they were attending uh, Liverpool University. Oh, OK. Uh, I think, I'm sure I read somewhere that it's now actually called the Victoria, um, but it has got a plaque um, that was placed. Um, this was during the Back to Earth specials, uh, so Easter 2009. Okay. There was a plaque placed in the bar claiming the pub to be the birthplace of both Red Dwarf and of Dave Lister. Right, OK. But, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but this pub, the Agbeth Arms, as they've got it filmed here, how rough does it look? Oh, I know, I know. Metal cages around the bar and stuff. Well, yeah, you know, you've got to, you've got a cage around the bar, so you get served through a little window. And, um, you know, how responsible is it to leave a baby in the middle of this bar? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, well, it starts off and you see somebody placing the box under the table and the kid's in there. And again, as the synopsis said, it's got robberus on the side. Well, there's a customer comes in, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, uh, called Frank, I think we find out that his name is. And he hears the baby under the bar when he's calling for the um, for the barmaid yeah. uh, to serve him. And so he pulls this baby out and uh, what have you. Well, Frank is actually played by Gary Bleasdale. Okay. And he's, he's appeared in quite a few shows. Um, I think his most famous... Um, TV show that he was in was uh, Boys from the Black Stuff, played one of the characters oh, in that, okay. which was quite a dark drama, semi-comedy from the 80s. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it certainly is, the character he's most famous for playing is the, the one that most people are recognising for, um, whereas one of the Scousers from Harry Enfield's um, Scousers comedy sketch. Oh, okay. He played, you know, the darker-haired one with the tash, the yeah, chubby one. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the baby itself that's in this box, uh, young um, Lister, uh, yeah. is played by Alexander John Jules. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, Danny's nephew. Yeah. And the commentary basically says that uh, Danny had he'd gone into the office and he'd seen this uh, photo of a baby that was due to play baby Lister. Yeah. And he to basically turned around to the staff and he says, um, you know, this the baby's too dark for Lister's skin and that his brother's lad looks more like Lister. Yeah. And that's basically how his nephew came to be on the show. Right. Okay. And something else as well I noticed, uh, the opening credits, um, the the non-extended version didn't have any. 
That's right, yeah. But they're obviously they're included in the extended version. Um, well, what it was, the, the actual aid um, item, um, Doug felt that he'd cut the episode as much as he could, as much as he wanted to. He didn't want to cut anything else out with it yeah. being... Um, you know, such a big story. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's basically it's where Lister actually came from. Yeah. And so, yeah, the credits were dropped. Um, this is one of these wiki facts. So I don't know how true it is, but um, yeah. Okay, very good. The next scene starts, and Lister's in his bunk, and he's having a clean. He sneezes and loses his tooth. Or I should say the the cap off his tooth. Crichton comes in and he's done some washing. And um, he helps Lister glue it back on with some wood glue. I don't know about you, but the wood glue I've used, it's not that strong. <laughs> yeah, it's not your standard IKEA glue, is it? No, exactly. <laughs> on this bit, I was wondering, uh, why has he got like ears full of shaving foam? And he obviously got no trimmers, has he? Because he's picking his, uh, picking his ears out of his nose using tongs. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's... It's very similar to uh, was it Parallel Universe um, when they all had to get in, you know not on the pole. Oh, oh no! In fact, that might have been Crichton episode. That's wasn't Crichton, it? into yeah. that. So they're going across there, and he's he's obviously trying to look his best. I mean, uh, what I don't know if you. My personal opinion for series seven is Lister looks a lot cleaner. Yeah, because you keep seeing him like white shirts and stuff, and they're perfectly white. I mean, has Crichton just started, got that board that he's just cleaning now? Or I mean, we always imagine that Crichton cleaned before, but... Well, he does look like he, um, I was going to say it looks like he dresses to impress now, but uh, yeah. not, so, not so sure with what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as I said, Crichton had been doing some laundry and he found some fluffy bunny slippers and a, a lady's pink frilly dressing gown which um, they were going to die and everything, and, and that was going to be his new dressing gown. And I just thought, a bit strange. Well, the, my <laughs> first thoughts were, what are these doing on Red Dwarf? Well, not just Red Dwarf, what are these doing on Starbug? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, the yeah. only thought I've got, the only explanation I can come up with, is that it's uh, Herman Gehring, the drug <laughs> transvestite secret stash. <laughs> <laughs> Something may have transferred across in back um, out of time. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he hid it from the lads. <laughs> yeah. Lister's flossing his teeth and he gets it stuck on the wood glue. Um, so basically he looks a right mess. He's got floss stuck on his teeth and he does. <laughs> uh, the cat comes in and he says there's something weird on the long range sensors. The next scene starts and they're in the cockpit. Crichton suggests that it's some kind of power surge that's causing a major disturbance in the fabric of space-time, um, basically causing a temporal rift. It suggests that they treat it like a tidal wave and head for the eye of the storm. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been heading in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, I mean, to me, it didn't look like it was moving. It seemed fixed, so it was, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, they'd flown towards it to investigate it, I reckon. Yeah, That's yeah. the impression I get. So, I, yeah, I'd have just turned around and said, well, we'll, we'll head this way then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, they, they head straight towards it and they get through. And the disturbance then appears in the engineering deck. The next scene starts, and as mentioned before, they're in the engineering deck, and there's a wall of blue light. Crichton describes it as a membrane between two realities. They all walk through this blue tunnel, um, and it's apparently surrounded by non-space. I find this very weird how they just, like, walk in. There could yeah. be, like, nothing there. Yeah, well... It, to me, the warning sign comes when Cat's foot goes through the bottom of it and tears it. Yeah. You know, if that's not a sign of, hang on, this is tissue paper thin, you know, it's, um, we don't know where it's going to or what's at the other end. Let's just not bother. Yeah. Uh, whether the missing rimmer's influence or not, because, I mean, he, he was the most cowardly, but I think the others had, uh, certainly the cat was... Um, into self-preservation, won't he? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the other other dimension things in Red, Red Dwarf are all just been portals directly into a room somewhere else, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. None of these tube business. But yeah, I mean, once Cryon explains that, yeah, we're actually surrounded by non-space, it's just the infinite nothingness, you'd be like, mm, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will be anyway. I'll be send a scutter down, see how far that gets. <laughs> yeah. As they're all walking down, they see three figures walking towards them. There's a cat, and a Lister and a Crichton. Lister, however, is a hard light hologram. 
I'm guessing they spawned Lister to keep her sane here. Well, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, same way they brought Rimmer back to keep Lister sane. Uh, they brought Lister back to keep her sane because it's the one that annoys her most, I guess. Yeah, I can assume the, well, I can assume they only grew together. I mean, as we see in future episodes, um, Lister and Rimmer did actually get quite close. Yeah, that's true. So male and female, I'm su- I'm assuming something's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Or not. <laughs> yeah. Don't well, forget I- he started this soft light. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, I mean, <laughs> he's a bit better for an hour he can get hard. Uh, now he's yeah. hard. <laughs> well, actually, that makes me think about a, a forum thread we've, we've got. Uh, the Does a hologram produce man source? And this is a definitive answer. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Hologrammatically, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but not enough to fill that little canister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get hologrammatic uh, Kleenex, surely. <laughs> <sighs> The next scene starts, and basically Lister's explaining the flashback of where everything changed um, when Lister got back from shore leave. Well, we we see him actually. Um, we, we see him coming back on the ship, don't we? Here, yeah. And you've got a, there's a flight announcer's voice in this scene. Now yeah. that is Adrienne Poster. Um, now she's actually quite a famous uh, movie actress from the fifties, sixties, and seventies. Okay. Um, did a lot of. Uh, she was in a couple of Carry On films, and she was a character in Up Pompeii. Uh, right. Okay. And as well as doing a lot more serious drama as well. Um, now the ship that we see returning is the first appearance. I believe it's the only appearance we see of White Midget. Ah, okay. Right, now, originally, the white midget design um, was what they were going to use in Series 3 when they brought Crichton in. Yeah. And it changed, and it changed colour because of the crashing on the snow, and it changed from white to green, and yeah, yeah. Uh, it became in- segmented, and eventually it evolved into Starbug. You know, somebody observed that it looked like a bug. Yeah. And... Um, they do reference White Midget. If I remember, there's still an error in the script in Marooned, I think it was, yeah. where Lister refers to it. I think we mentioned it back then. And um, what have you. It's mentioned in the novels as well. But I think this is the first time we actually see it, the only time we see it. Now, according to Wikipedia, the model is made. It was actually made out of the old Blue Midget model. Okay. They basically stuck a nose cone on it, wings, uh, a rear engine, and gave it a respray. And that's... Uh, this shot, this very short shot that we see, okay. is actually uh, an adapted uh, blue midget to create this white midget. Right, cool. Rimmer's basically, he, he says to Lister that he's reported him all, and Lister saying, listen, just chill out a bit. I've, um, Kachansky's dropped me, and I, I don't feel too good about it. And Rimmer does nothing but rip into him. Kind of like, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Well, this all starts at the uh, customs desk, yeah, don't it? Yeah. And the, the thing going through my mind, certainly on the second viewing, is um, he's got a cat that he's smuggling on board in his pocket. Yeah. Right. And he stood there at the customs having his bags checked. How lucky is he that they didn't find this cat? And yeah. know, why does he not look guilty? You know, you'd have thought he'd have had a guilty look on his face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> They've walked as far as the locker room, and Kachansky walks in as well. Rimmer asks her about the new salute, which she then turns around him and tells him to go and have sex with somebody, and that's an order. It is a direct order. Yeah. Um, well, I, I love this salute proposal, uh, yeah. but it's a shame they didn't go into more detail with it. Is yeah. uh, Those of you that's read the novels will know that his old salute that he's got... There's actual uh, there's there's an explanation of why he has his hand at a right angle. There's an explanation of the hand rotations. Yeah. Why there is I can't remember the specific. Is it nine? And then it, um, there's a full official one, which is the double rimmer, which um, has uh, something like fifteen. But there's a reason for each hand rotation, and you know it makes sense and it is funny. It's a pity they didn't actually go with more of the novels uh, yeah, explanation, yeah. although the they did say they were struggling for time with this episode. Yeah. Um, another something I did notice though: all the uniforms—they're all bright blue. Yeah. Very different from our earlier series. Um, now this is explained away with these flashbacks being from an alternative dimension. Yeah. Um, however, it it is thought that uh, we know that uh, Doug was 
disappointed with the greyness of series one and series two. Yeah. And um, it's thought that this is how he wished they'd looked, you know, bright blue and a lot more colour in the corridors and what have you. Okay. She apologises to Lister about the Dear John letter and apparently she's spending, well, apparently spending all day having sex and eating curry isn't good. And she's back (laughs) with Tim the chef. (laughs) She shows, or I should say Lister then shows a Frankenstein and she's, well, she's about to throw it away. She doesn't want to take the rap for it and she puts um, the cat in a disintegrator um, which is basically a red microwave, but then ends up not setting it going. It's only rated 12. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, I must admit, I was like, oh. <laughs> How long would you roast a cat for in a microwave? <laughs> <laughs> Three minutes either side. <laughs> sorry, well, sorry. <laughs> well, this cat, it's um, it's a kitten. Yes. Um, now, Lister is supposed to have brought back cat that yeah. was pregnant right so yeah, I know it's, that I know kitten it's a different, isn't pregnant no it's too young to be pregnant so it then begs the question how does it get pregnant for it to go on to create the cat people it, it doesn't quite seem to fit in uh, um yeah. the other thing as well is lister is returning from mimus yeah um yeah in the end in our universe version in series one he claims that frankenstein was from titan Ah, so, um, yeah. yeah, there's a bit of a, a difference there. I mean, they could have quite easily just said Titan. In fact, the cat's totally different size. You know in um, the end where the captain shows him the photo and says, where's the cat? Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's a totally different size cat. So, um, so th- well, that explains our universe, but this one, uh, it must have interacted with a, another cat or something. Mm. Well, technically, it's supposed to be identical to our universe until this, you know, this is the changing factor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but this is, for me, this scene, it's uh, it's one of the saving graces of this episode. I'm, I'm not a fan of this episode. Yeah. Um, sat and watched it with an open mind, still not a fan of this episode. Yeah. Uh, but I'd forgotten that Chris Barry was in it. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think of Chris Barry in Series 7, uh, I think of... Um, Ticket to Ride, Stoke Me a Clipper, and Blue. And, blue. Yeah. and I forgot all about this, uh, you know, albeit flashback scene. Yeah. Um, now, the only criticism I've got of Chris Barry here is that he doesn't seem very much like the Series 1 version. No. Right, he seems a little too friendly and pally with Lister, even though he's ribbing him and winding him up and having a go at him for... Um, basically, he's gone AWOL. Yeah. Now, you would have thought he'd have been there with a report book in hand and an officer ready to cart Lister away. Yeah. Get yeah. him locked up there and then. Uh, instead, he's coming up and he's gloating. He's going, oh, you're in trouble and this, that and the other. And it's um, it's it's teasing as opposed to malicious, whereas Series 1 Rimmer, for me, would have been malicious about it all. It just doesn't seem... It's the, the only time I've ever really noticed Chris Barry not quite getting the Rimmer right. Yeah, I know where you're coming from. The next scene starts and they're back in real time. Kachansky explains that she got the six-month-in status. The gold Crichton suggests that they only have two hours before the tear heals and they should exchange supplies and info. I think they should have explained why Crichton, our Crichton, is so silver in this episode. Because it's totally different colour. Yeah. Normally it's like a blacky, grey, metallic. Yeah. This is full silver, like they've all had a good clean. Yeah, unless it's just a di- totally different standard of living. I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose with Kachansky being in charge as such instead of Lister, uh, there is no Rimmer. So, um, um, well, I, I guess imagine a Red Dwarf without Rimmer. Without. Exactly. And also Lister being a hologram, he's not going to make a mess or anything, is he? No. Just just, just thought. <laughs> yeah, I just find it odd how they don't ex- well, at least explain why they're so clean. Yeah. I can only I can only assume it's woman's influence. Yeah. <laughs> Kachansky wants a child, and obviously Lister's very happy to help, um, but she just wants him to fill a little sample jar. Um, this non-space, which is absolute nothingness, somehow the Gelf ship has managed to get in there and shooting at this um, rift in space-time and blows a hole in the linkway. Well. 
this Gelf ship, Chloe says on the commentary that the Gelf battlecruiser was uh, made using a garden vacuum, of all things. Okay. And, I mean, I, you can't see it clearly, but I, I looked at it and rewound it a couple of times. The front of it, to me, looks like the Inquisitor's mask. It's, it's ever so weird, the cockpit at the front. And it, mm. yeah, it, to me, it just put me in mind of the uh, Inquisitor's mask. Uh, oh, okay. Um, due to this big hole, uh, Chansky falls and she's hanging for her life. Um, she's hanging on to this box, which the straps finally break. And she dives across to the floss from Lister's mouth and starts pulling on that instead. <laughs> Now, if this is non-space, why is the gravity? And how is she able to breathe? Yeah, exactly. I mean, non-space, I, I'm assuming it's just an absolute vacuum. So it just go suck dead. Like, suck dead, freeze, or whatever that happens. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> um, because she's grabbed onto the floss, she ends up on our side, and the gelf blow up the rift. The next scene starts, and they're in the medibay. Kachansky wakes up after kissing Lister. Well, this is um, another commentary uh, comment from Chloe, uh, where she says that Craig kept making them retake this kiss, and he like totally <laughs> denies it on the commentary. Like, no, I didn't. She, yes, she did. He's like, no, I didn't. Like, yes, she did. <laughs> yeah. Um, to find out that the people actually blew it up was uh, Lister's gelf wife. Well, she sends a fax over, don't she, of a picture of her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene starts, and both crafts are flying across the planet's surface. Um, a little bit of manoeuvring, and the Gelf ship crashes. Now, this is not the best model shot crash that we've seen. We've seen some really fantastic ones. No. Um, yeah. There's some obvious strings and what have you. But it's still so much better than CGI. Um, I'm, I'm always, always been a fan of the Red Dwarf model work. Yeah. And I think CGI has its place. Some of it has look, you know, looked really good. Um, yeah. But for actual chase scenes and crashes, you can't be actually crashing a model, even if you can see some of the strings. So, yeah. I'd yeah. Give this one a thumbs up. Cool. The next scene starts, and Crichton's complaining about Kachansky. He doesn't like her. He's very jealous. I, Me personally here, I hated Crichton being such a whiny little bitch. Yeah. I, I know exactly where you're coming <laughs> from. And, um, it, I mean, Robert does some weird overacting thing here that we've never seen. Yeah. And uh, I wonder how much of it is just the fact that the actor's trying to... There's a new cast member, and so he's trying too hard with his character, or whether he was instructed to do it like this. Um, I hate the voice and the whinging. Yeah. We've never seen this neurotic side of Crichton. We've seen him neurotic about cleaning, but we haven't yeah. seen him jealous and uh, feeling threatened like that. And um, It's always been matter-of-fact. Crichton is too... It's too robot-like, too much like data. And here yeah. it's just too emotional to me. Yeah. And I hate it, and it doesn't work as regards this side of it. However, yeah. you get the repetition gag, you know, where he keeps on saying it. Yeah. And I love the actual <laughs> gag itself, the repetition. It's just the actual voice and the overacting and the fact that it's out of character. So I'm, I'm split as to whether I like this or whether I don't. Mm. Um, I mean, the kids love it. Uh, obviously, and I, can, I seem to remember, it's one of the few times, it's one of the last times I can remember Amanda laughing at an episode was, you know, Crichton's voice here. Um, but yeah, it, like I say, it just totally splits me. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much I like it, how much I hate it. Um, it's a bit of both. It's, um, it's very Marmite for me. It's you either love it or hate it, and I, I don't like it at all. I, I seem to be a bit simultaneous with this. I, I both love it and hate it. It's, it's yeah, it's weird. Um, okay. This is also it's one of the first times that we get reference on the TV show about Crichton being responsible for the death, the death. of the crew, yeah. the Nova Five. <laughs> um, now it's previously only been stated in the novels that they died because he'd cleaned the computer, yeah, the that's navigation right. computer, and had also cleaned the backup navigation computer and yeah. <laughs> scrubbed the circuits and everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the first time we actually get a reference to the to it in the TV show, yeah, uh, yeah. which I thought was uh, kind of good. I, I enjoyed that. 
Yeah. The next scene starts, and they're back in the cockpit. Kachansky's got a plan to get them back, and she knows that Crichton doesn't like her. They, they have a little conversation in the back. Um, this is where you see... Well, you see it from the, the intros of Series 7, where she takes a mick out... She takes the mick out of his walk, and then he takes the mick out of hers. Again, it's just overacted. Yeah, it seems out of character as well, doesn't it, for Crichton? Yeah. It just doesn't doesn't sit right for me at all. Um, now, Danny's acting here um, is fantastic, especially this section here. Because yeah. they start off in the cockpit, don't they? And she asks him to do something, and I think Crichton shows him which button to press. So he, yeah. <laughs> he you know, insists that he does it himself, then goes through, and he's going, Officer Bud, babe, that's... <laughs> you know, I'm taking yeah. care of it. And he, he's trying to impress, and he's showing off, and, he, and it's... Total opposite of what uh, Crichton's, what's happening with Crichton. Yeah, where yeah. It's totally out of character, and the presence of this Kachansky is totally ruining it. Yeah, Danny, yeah. totally different. He take, he manages to bring it, make him the cat act exactly as he would do. And yeah, yeah. I would say, apart from Chris Barry's short appearance earlier on, um, Danny's acting in his few, the few scenes he's got are the funniest things in this episode. Yeah, really agreed. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. The next scene starts and they're swapping supplies. Crichton celebrates with champagne um, because Chance is going back. Where the hell has he got this from? Urine recycle. That's what I put it down to. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, if you see the bottle in the back, it's like a. It looks like a brand new bottle, you know, as if. I don't know, as if you just bought it from a shop or something. Uh, unless probably, it's some. I probably just got it off the uh, gold coloured Crichton. Maybe, maybe that's from their side that they brought mm. it through. Um, or it could have been from a Ace Rimmer, Rimmer ship, because he had cigars with him and all sorts of stuff, didn't he? Yeah, I guess. What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene starts, and Lister has filled the jar, let's say. <laughs> he's sat there talking to Kachansky, and he's giving... He's given some advice about his his future child and how they should bring it up and all the rest of it, which was okay. It wasn't a bad little scene. It was um, Lister being almost sensible. Not got very much advice to give, though, has he? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. The next scene starts, and Kachansky gives Lister a communicator, and she explains that they should be able to talk cross dimensions. There's a crate with Ouroboros batteries on them and Lister twigs and he twigs that he is actually his own dad well I mean this is slightly contradictory of what we've had in earlier series this totally comes out the blue yeah this episode for me um we've got better than life where he's talking to Rimmer about the death of Rimmer's father and he says that he remembers his father's funeral um series one he's got pictures of his grandmother up on the wall you know that's right yeah uh, holding the pet dog um, now, I mean, technically, I suppose he could be talking about adoptive parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and he did say in the last day that he was found under a pool table and didn't have a mum and a dad. That's right, yeah. Um, but th- th- it just doesn't seem to make sense properly. It, it, it doesn't, to me, it just doesn't tie in, it doesn't fit in. We've had no hints of this big... Um, it just comes out of the blue in this one episode, and then it's forgotten about. It seems to got a lot wrong, but I really like the idea of uh, the endless loop, the paradox. I like the idea, but I, I don't think it was executed right. Personally, yeah. personally. Yeah. Lister realises that it's his own dad, and he goes and makes a mad dash for the test tube. The next scene starts, and Lister is running down this tunnel. This this is the very same tunnel that the cat just put his heel through earlier. <laughs> I won't be running down anything. Um, and the Gelfs attack and blow another hole in it. Kachansky's on the wrong side, um, and she doesn't want to get left with our crew, so she jumps for it and misses. Well, she's fallen to her death, and she just rings Lister. And she's fallen to nothingness and wants rescuing. But I... I mean, she manages to talk to Lister here on this phone without moving her lips as well. You know, if you look carefully, yeah. <laughs> she, her mouth does not move. She just holds the phone to her, uh, her head. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, Andy, if this is purely nothingness, 
how the hell is she breathing? How has she not gone compressed into a little nothingness? Yeah. Don't work, does it, that? No. Um, so the lads go and try and find something to help, and they find a crossbow and some rope. Very handy. <laughs> well, this, to me, I think it looks like the same crossbow repainted uh, from the Back to Reality episode. It's got that massive, big arrowhead on it and what yeah, have you. Yeah, um, yeah. they actually say, you know, oh, it's from the supplies off the other ship from yeah. the other dimension. Um what sort of a request is that for supplies? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Do you want this crossbow? Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's planning to do much hunting. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyway, he runs back with it and he shoots and Brie gets it through her leg. The next scene starts and they're back in the Medibay. Crichton explains that the rift has self-repaired and there's no way she can get back. But then I thought, if the rift has self-repaired, then... Does that mean what the rift repair? That means I can cross it again, or does it mean it's just healed up and there is no membrane between the two realities now? Or I, th- I think it means closed up altogether, gone, don't he? Right. Okay. Um, but I mean, it begs the question: How did they get it open again last time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she she just managed to do something to get it open. Maybe it was because <laughs> it was it was ripped, but it just wasn't connected. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. The final scene starts and Lister beams into the bar 18 months later and he plants the baby under the table. Now my only problem with this is how the hell does he go back to put himself underneath the table? And if it is Earth that he's gone back to obviously as, but uh, why yeah. don't they just stay? Well, exactly. Uh, this this has been our thing through a couple of these episodes. This little time drive that they've got from, um, they got from Tika to Ride. The, the, it, they can obviously go back to Earth with it, so why be out in a ship in the middle of nowhere when they can go back to any time that they want and just go back to Earth? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got the weak explanation from the end of Ticket to Ride, which is basically, um, well, you've seen what a mess you've made before, I don't think we should use it. But then um, he's going to do it. like you say, he's gone back to 18 months later. Yeah. Right? He, at the age of 25, he was on Red Dwarf. So yeah. all they've got to do is is jump forward twenty five years from there, and his alternate self is in deep space and he's not going to return. And he can just pick up his life from where he left off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, it, it's it's it it doesn't really seem to make sense. And then you've got the whole it's a paradox loop that the human race will never die out because it's going to go round in circles in this paradox. Yeah. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. You know, yeah. he's left the baby in this dimension. Yeah, you know, there was one tube. What about the other dimension? How yeah. do they get their? How does where does their Lister come from? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's got to be a Lister in the first place. It's it's a paradox with no beginning. It doesn't quite work. Um, I mean, we seem to have paradoxes like this. According to um, according to Ticket to Ride, they reset themselves. Yeah, and it, as if it never happened in the first place. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what happened when their future selves killed themselves. Yeah. Um, same with JFK. Par- it was, it same, a, yeah. yeah, it's a paradox that couldn't occur. Boom, they go back in time to before it all took place and it can't happen. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it's it, it doesn't make sense. It's, um, anyway. Unless, unless, unless Lister is actually the all, the, 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 the main being and he's actually, has he, gets born it starts the new lines of dimensions so like as he makes a decision in his life one dimension's created do you know what I mean possibly but then there would be all the dimensions before him there's still got to be a first dimension somewhere anti where there, yeah. there wasn't a lister in the future until one had been born somewhere yeah a chicken and egg scenario <laughs> yeah anyway we're getting far too deep for this <laughs> It's too late in the night for this. <laughs> anyway, the next section's the scores. Me, personally, I wasn't a fan of this episode, to be honest. I think it... I'm finding out from going through this series that I was a bit of a Rimmer fanboy. Um, I think he made a big part of Red Dwarf. I know we had him back in the flashback, but as you mentioned, Anthony, the, it wasn't Rimmer. It, it was... 
I don't know. And I've never been a fan of this Kachansky either. So for me, only a five out of ten. Um, Anthony? Um, I've gone even lower than that. I've gone four Ooh, out okay. of ten with this. Um, basically, five out of ten suggests to me that it's it's a neutral yeah, and to me, it's it's a negative this episode. So I've gone I've gone for four out of ten. Okay. Um, Craig Charles in this episode is uh, dreadful. Um, Robert Llewellyn as Crichton is worse. Um, now I'm a fan of Chloe Annette. Right, I think she's lovely. Um, we saw her at Dimension Jump 15 convention, and she, she's she's fantastic. She really is nice. Right, but I am not a fan of her portrayal of Kachansky. Of her, nothing wrong with how she plays it. It's yeah. how this Kachansky has been written. Um, she's a posh private school educated version of Kachansky. Um, you know, she grew up. Daddy bought her a horse and all the rest of it. And I'm sorry, I prefer the Claire Grogan version or something similar to Claire Grogan. Um, you know, I wanted somebody that was more working class, more out for having a drink and a club with the lads. We, you know, we saw her in series one dancing around a handbag uh, in, you know, in the middle of the club, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah. Um, I hate the whole storyline of Lister being his own father. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've already we've already spoke about how the paradox would or wouldn't work. Yeah. Uh, but it screws up the whole Lister loves Kachansky thread of thought yeah, right the yeah. whole idea of bringing kachansky back is that it's lister's love interest yeah right we find out in this in this episode where in, she's introduced that she's his mum yeah right yeah. yet it doesn't seem to affect anything to do with his lust towards her after this episode which yeah. it would it would kill it dead oh because it would uh, yeah <laughs> there's two saving the reason it's got four out of ten the reason i've scored it so close to a five is because it's got two saving graces yeah. um chris barry's short appearance although technically it's more like ace rimmer than um arnold j rimmer um it's still really good to see him i'd forgotten he was in this episode uh, albeit yeah. in flashback and danny john jules is mm. Hardly in this episode, but he um, is fantastic. He reacts exactly how I would expect him to react around yeah. Kachansky. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love Danny John Jules in this. So, yeah, I've gone for a four out of ten with this okay. one. Okay, and finally, Andy? Uh, I thought this was an average episode. The paradox idea, I think, is pretty cool. I just end an endless loop. Uh, Kachansky's too posh for the role. Yeah. Is, you know I mean, plus, I always thought she was from Scotland. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't work for me, yeah. Plus, I thought they uh, they might have seen more of the cat talking to the other cat. You know how much he, he loves himself, and how yeah, much he got on with himself in in the when he's met himself in the past. And I yeah. think they were missing that that side of the story a lot. So yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, it's like in Crichton, he can't pull himself away from a mirror of his own reflection. Yeah, and Camille so, as well, where he's just his legs are shaking and all that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you've you've got, definitely got a point there, Andy. That there's just not enough. He'd be, <laughs> he'd be ecstatic about the chance to meet himself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've had a couple of scores on the forum, so thank you very much for those. We've had a, a six, 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 and two nines. So very much a Marmite episode. So that all in total, that's um, 62.5%, call it 63%. So quite a low episode. The next section's what's going down in Groove Town after a quick advertisement from the Martians Are Here podcast. Corporate Jim's been biding his time, waiting for the moment to strike. And now it's come. Aliens are closing in on the tent city. Mickey is stuck in a world of dreams, and if he doesn't get out, he won't make it through the night. Will Jones and Rose be able to wake him? Death is stalking Tent City, and more than one person will not see the dawn. Come with us as we take a journey down the yellow brick road. There he is. The Martians Are Here podcast at themartiansarehere.com. All right, dudes, what's going down in Groove Town then? 
Groovestown, first of all, over to you, Anthony. Yeah, we've had some uh, feedback on the forum from Parallel Universe. Yeah. Uh, mostly about the Ticket to Ride uh, episode. Yeah. Um, now, it was on about the... We've already touched on this, actually, in the episode review. It was on about the future JFK killing a prior version of himself. Yeah. Now, we said that wasn't possible. Um, now, the resolve for Out of Time is basically that the paradox resets itself to a point before they had the time drive. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, this paradox cannot occur, so time just resets itself back to then. And is basically suggesting, would it work, would this happen the same with JFK? You know, a future JFK kills a prior version of himself. Yeah. Uh, a paradox that cannot happen, would time reset itself to a point um, before, before they, they up. messed up the assassination? Yeah, which um, makes so that, sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Uh, I mean, it's never explained that way in the episode, but yeah, that certainly seems to make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also, he was asking, um, I mean, I've not been back to have a look, but he was asking if um, the, f the first appearance of Lee Harvey Oswald in that episode, he says, to him, it looks like a teenager. He says, and then, he says, he's watched it a couple of times and it just looks, he looks really young. He says, the next time you see him, it looks really old. You know, he says, it is the same actor. It just must be the lighting or the camera shot or the angle or whatever. And he yeah. just wondered if anybody else had noticed that. So that's something to keep an eye out for next time you're watching it. Yeah, yeah. And something uh, which I didn't mention at the time, um, which he thinks is uh, worthy of mention, yeah. was um, from the uh, Back, uh, Back from the Dead documentary on the Series 7 uh, DVD. Yeah. Um, basically, there's a story on there. Uh, this is a story from Ed By about yeah. a fan that approached him about him ruining the show. Yeah. He was on a, a time drive teleportation device, and this fan basically laid into him saying that they ruined the show and swore he'd never watch the show again. And basically, Ed By's response is that you know, hang on, we invented the time device as a you know a plot for our story. It does whatever the hell we want it to. Yeah, uh, which, yeah. you know, it, it's got a point, <laughs> you know, yeah. I can see both points of view. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, that's something that uh, Parallel Universe wanted mentioning, so I thought I'd I'd bring it up in the Groovetown section, because, to be honest with you, there's not a lot of news. The, o the only story we've got on the official site is, uh, can you remember the, there's, a, there's an online game, um, there's an online Red Dwarf game which is trying to find the Professor Mehmet's uh, email address by searching through the clues on this website for Devidroid. Yeah. Um, I went on it. It's dreadful. I'll post it in the show notes, but uh, I've not written it down. I wasn't going to mention it, but uh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> okay. Facebook site. Um, we use um, the main Fiction Shed name to post everything under there. Um, there has been a glitch on the fit on Facebook that's been stopping me from using uh, facebook.com forward slash fiction shed. That glitch has now seemed to have gone away. So if you need to find us on Facebook, it's very simply facebook.com forward slash fiction shed. And you can find all the news there about all our projects. I've actually promoted Anthony as well to the admin to try and get um, the discussion groups going a little bit because, well, you spend a lot more time on Facebook than I do. So, what you say, get it all going. Yeah. There's me trying to ban people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Um, now, I've got something I want to just quickly mention. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Happy Times. Um, I'm catching up on my uh, podcast through, you know, from being ill. Yeah. And I was catching up on Happy Times, the, the new version with Brad. Um, you know, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Uh, but they mentioned a problem that Podbean's been having with regards to the newer iPhones. Um, the new iPhones and iPod Touches yeah. haven't been downloading straight from the site. Yeah, it's getting to 99% um, or something and then stopping. Yeah, it's yeah. The, basically what they're saying is it downloads it all, but then, you know um, how it processes the file? Yeah. It loses it somehow when it's processing the file. Okay. Um, now, you can... You can still download through iTunes, no problem. It's when you try and download straight to your iPod Touch or your iPhones. Right, okay. um, Now, I've had a conversation with Meds earlier on tonight on... I wrote on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore. I've had a conversation with Meds on Facebook tonight. Yeah. Uh, asking him about this problem. And now, he seems to think that the latest iPhone update, which we think is 4.02... Uh, it's 4.1. Is it? Right. Yeah. 
we think it sorts it out so you should now be able to download straight to the uh, touch and the iphone he's got it working right um, okay and i do know on our uk the enhanced reviews there was a comment left saying help it won't download blah 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 when you know yeah, after, yeah, that's right. Play straight from the website. I assume it's this problem. So let us know if you're still having problems, anyone. The email is scuttercast at reddwarfforum.com. Um, yeah. Let us know what's happening. Is it working? Was it not working? Is it working okay now? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, that'd be, that'd be interesting to see because we had, um, with the last episode, there was a glitch with that as well. In iTunes and everything, the enhanced version played fine. I played it through QuickTime, everything was fine. You put it across to the iPhone, and it played an, as an MP3. It didn't have the chapters. It, to be honest with you, it um, it only downloaded as an MP3 on my iPod as well. Yeah, which is the classic. Yeah, which is um, I don't know. So I, I mean, I I when I did the show notes on the Monday, I deleted it and re-downloaded it because I, I I like to skip back through the sections. Yeah. And what I did it come back down okay? Notes. Still MP3 yeah. only version, so I was having to use the fast forward as opposed to the uh, chapter skip. Okay, but as I said, it did work through iTunes and everything, so I'm not quite sure where the glitch is. Hopefully, this next episode will be fine. And it was just like a, a temporary thing. I can't get the staff. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to the Parrot Spa. The place you can drink a curry-flavoured tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out. Parrot Spa. We've got a few things to say. First of all, go on. I'll let you get it out of the way. Um, I was going to mention the end of Big Brother. Um, but it, 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 there we I, go. Done. I, <laughs> I enjoyed Big Brother. Right. Um, right. Loved it when it first started. Okay. And it's been harder and harder to get back into it as it's gone on over the years yeah. and it's taken me longer and longer to get into it. I quite enjoyed this last series. It was the last series. I quite, I really enjoyed the last episode, but I'm glad it's gone. It's yeah. one of those things Ooh. that I think it had run through, run its time. It, you know, it did, um, it, they've stopped it at the right time. And I mean, I think we're going to get a cheaper version at some point on TV and whether it'll ever be the same or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I just wanted to mention the end of Big Brother. It's. Uh, it's something that's been around as long as my eldest daughter. You know, it's. Yeah. It's frightening when you think about it. You know, she's always known Big Brother every year. Yeah, and yeah. And hooked on it, and me trying not to get into it, and always getting sucked in eventually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did actually read the uh, Channel Five have put a bid in for it. Oh, really? To try and get it. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, what come about of that. Now, you see, I've, we've, we've had a conversation about this on Facebook, haven't we? Said, yeah, yeah. We've said that uh, it'll not. I think Channel Four. I think it had run its course. These Channel Four's done well to get rid, and nobody else is going to be able to improve upon what Channel Four had done with it. Yeah. Um, unless they throw in a couple of serial killers, or yeah, <laughs> it turns <laughs> into a proper torture. <laughs> yeah. Open the lion's cage. Yeah, exactly. Instead of the chickens, they've got to look after the lions. And when the siren goes, the lions get released. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's um, it's been a good show. It was an emotional ending, and um, I'm quite happy with the way it's gone. It's uh, I'm glad it's finished when it did. It's uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I just wanted yeah, to I give it a mention. I don't think Channel Five could really pull it off anyway, because what I was reading. Uh, Davina's actually contracted to Channel 4. Yeah, so not have any Davina, and I think Davina actually makes, made that show a lot of what it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's not yeah. sort of commentary and stuff. But. Yeah. I wanted to mention as well the new iTunes, uh, iTunes 10, is it? That's yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's got the ping uh, function on it where you can yeah. follow your friends and and see what they're buying and comments they've left and what have you. Yeah. And I don't know about you, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> I've switched it on. I've got, I think I've got three people I follow, two people follow me. And to be honest with you, I'm thinking, I couldn't give a shit what they've bought, you know. Um, uh, Elton McManus uh, from the Apotheosis of a Bombast, he bought a Blur track, and I thought, mm, good for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wasn't tempted to go and buy one myself. I didn't feel like uh, giving him a call and asking him how it was. Uh, yeah, it's it's neither here nor there. However... Uh, it be uh, interesting to see how it goes, how it changes. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I did the opposite thing. I clicked on it and thought, oh, I wonder what that's like, and listened to the intro of that. So, oh, Blair. Yeah. That's funny, because I looked at some of the things you'd favorited and debated um, stopping following you. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, uh, um, I post on, I don't know, Facebook or Twitter or whichever one it was, um, yeah. that I realized that I was actually living, like, 10 years ago. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, w- I was just going through the... I, I thought I'd trying to add something on there um, instead of just having a blank slate. And I was just going through some albums. I'm like, oh, okay, death metal. Well, you no. see, what they've, what they've done is... Um, now, one of, one of my favourite podcasts is the Black Dog Podcast. Yeah. Right, now, the whole reason I got to the Black Dog Podcast um, was through... Oh, geez, this is going to be a long story. I've just realised. Um, Boz on Here Goes Nothing yep. um, had a, a bit of a dispute with a second-rate podcast that was doing really well in the comedy charts. Yep. I'm not going to name them because they've had all the publicity they're going to get from this. But basically, I downloaded and listened to their show, gave it a chance, and thought, it is absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Went on, left a negative review on iTunes, and I noticed a review there from Brad, who uh, is now co-host of Happy Times with um, Tim. Okay. Uh, it was a review for... Uh, I, I noticed his review there, and I thought, oh, clicked on his name, which then brought up all of his other reviews that he'd left, and that's how I got to Black Dog. Okay. Um, now, I don't think you can do that now. I don't think you can click on a name and just see their reviews. So certainly, I tried it a few weeks ago, and... Um, it wouldn't bring up all their other reviews. So I'm assuming that now you've got to be following them in ping to be able to see what they've left reviews on. Um, Oh, that's interesting. You see, I I think ping will really take off. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. It might have just been a glitch a few weeks ago when I tried doing it. Um, But to me, it's easier just to be able to click, oh, I like what they've said, and that's a good opinion. It shares my opinion. I wonder what else they've left reviews for, and just to click on their name and see what yeah. other reviews they've left. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that anymore. Um, I don't know about you as well, but I find that iTunes itself, it seems to be running slower. It takes forever to bloody load up and get going and to start actually syncing to my iPod and what have you. Yeah, there's a lot more to it now, though. It's, it's really, really getting on the wick. It really is. I tell you where um, ping will work is for like our community, people who listen to podcasts. If we could like the podcast that we liked, and then you could go through a list of liked podcasts, I think that might like as That's, you've just done there. Yes, yeah. Now that that would work great, uh, but at yeah. the moment, it, it I don't know. I don't know for sure, but it seems to me to be. Um, just about tracks at the moment and music, yeah, which is yeah. obviously where they make the money. Podcasts are free of charge. Absolutely. But yeah, if they could incorporate all that, it, it could be quite a good thing for you know finding decent uh, podcasts and what have you. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just on a note on that, um, I I started a new job last Thursday. I, I won't give you a long, boring story, but I used to work in support. And I've moved from support into a software test now, which is a lot more podcast friendly, let's say. Um, before, because I was answering the phone and everything, I, I just didn't have any spare time. I'm now finding I'm getting maybe six to seven hours a day listening to podcasts, which is just fantastic. <laughs> I'm actually getting halfway through the day and running out of podcasts. It's brilliant. Um, so I'm some, I'm subscribing to everybody that I used to subscribe to before and I'd say unsubscribe because I just didn't have time to listen to anybody. So yeah. it's it's nice to hear the voices back again, to be honest. <laughs> I know um, exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's very good. This weekend, uh, another long weekend for me. I had to go up north because um, my parents uh, having some work doing in the loft and I used to have a loft bedroom. And basically when I left when I was 19, the, the loft was essentially sealed. And so basically 16 years ago, uh, the loft was sealed. So I went up there and everything was just how I'd left it. And there's posts on the wall, Ugly Kid Joe and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and magazines with like a bitchery and morbid angel all over the front. And like Sam old props. <laughs> yeah, there was. I actually found. <laughs> no word of a lie. I found um, a cassette tape for uh, the Vic 20, which was Sam Fox strip poker. <laughs> that must have been horrible back then. I seem to remember it though it wasn't really bad yeah now I want to go and google search and see if there's an online version (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so, I mean, I, I did hope to go there and find all my old Star Wars figures and all my Transformers and stuff, but for some reason they were missing. So I don't know if someone's been up there and swiped them or they've just been moved or whatever. The parents have eBayed them. I know. <laughs> I hope not. They got well, rid of the Sound Fox strip poker for the Vic 20. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had all speeder bikes and attacks and stuff like that, and I've no idea where they've all gone. So my parents going to have a look from. Yeah, I bet nothing turns up from them though. <laughs> Um, Sunday, I was at a christening. Uh, me and Christina were both godparents. Mm-hmm. So that was a long weekend. Didn't get back to about tea time EST. On a gaming front, uh, I know I haven't spoke about games for a while, but as we're recording this, we're recording on the Monday, Halo Reach gets released at midnight. Um, so I'm very tempted to go and pick up my new shiny Halo Reach limited edition Xbox from game. But it depends on how long this takes with it. <laughs> um, Friday, <laughs> PlayStation Move gets released. So I've got that turned up as well, which is kind of awesome. Uh, I've only got a four-day week this week, so I'm going on camping on Friday. That that um, air show that I spoke about ages ago now, um, it's finally come up. It's this weekend. So I'll be up in Southport at that, which should be kind of cool. Again, Apple TV, um, 99 quid, ordered. Um, it's it, it's a no-brainer for me. Um, my house is, everything's Apple, so... Well, not having it would be stupid, no? Or is that just the <laughs> fanboy of me talking? <laughs> see, I've, I've got one of the AV leads that just plugs into your iPod. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me, it's just put it on me, uh, put it on my iPod, and then watch it that way on the normal TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, essentially, I mean, I'm I'm not going to rent any TV programs or anything like that. It's just going to be a little device that plugs into the back of my amp that I can stream everything from my iTunes because I do buy a lot of DVDs now and you you tend to get a digital copy in the mall which I then register the digital copy on my iTunes upstairs. So it'd be nice just to have that media library that I can just get to and just watch them. And, and for 100 quid it's not really. It's not like 229 quid that the normal isn't now. And just finally, iOS 4.1 came out uh, for the, well, for the I think your devices. The only really additional feature was the Game Center, which, to be honest, is a bit of a letdown, I think, at the moment. I don't know if it's just the Apple way where they release something with absolutely bare-bone minimum functions and then just build on it, but, to be honest, it's a bit rubbish. It's... I don't know. It's just... <laughs> I was actually having a discussion about this over on um, uh, at the Appy Times Facebook site, and we were discussing the Game Center and stuff, and everybody seems to be under the same impression that it's a bit crap at the moment. The thing is, Apple seem to do that every time they release something. Yeah. Everybody seems to say, it's good, but it could be better. Yeah. Right. And, and then, then the next release, you know, a year or so later, is the bit better. And yeah. It's it's bugging me because it to me it's obviously a market employee that Apple have got. They don't give you the best that they can give you. Yeah. Right? yeah. They give you the minimum they can. Yeah. So that in twelve months' time, eighteen months' time, we can give you a little bit more. Yeah. And yeah. it's a way of, you know, maximizing sales. I mean it's, I suppose it's a business and that's the way they're supposed to run. Yeah. All right. But to me, Apple do not warrant the loyalty that they have. I know their stuff works. Yeah. All right. But not always, not always, and yeah. it's only a matter of time. It's it, to me, it's it's irritating. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not that Microsoft are any better, but uh, yeah. you know, there's not much by way of competition. Um, but I wish the bloody was. I mean, <laughs> I, I I know what you mean. I mean, with this game center, I think I think they have done that. Just absolute bare bone. Let's get a social network built up on the i thingy device, and then we'll start adding to it, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. And, and I think it's same as what they've done with the ping as well. They've got the backbone out there. They've seen how well it handles it with nothing on it. Then we'll just keep slowly adding and adding and adding to it. I mean, they, they do release all these software updates and everything free of charge. So they are actually pretty slow when it comes to uh, like. Uh cloud-based stuff anyway aren't they apple yeah yeah it takes my while to actually get a bit motivated in that sense yeah but i mean just simple things like i mean like on everything else so on, on the psn on the xbox on steam on anything you can click on somebody and you can see the list of their friends and it's like um i mean i've only got like four or five friends on it but i'd like to be able to click on people's friends and then because people come across with just their username and you don't know them from adam so you're just like oh yeah okay i'll add you mm. um uh, but it's like with anything with Twitter, you click on somebody and then you know who they are based on the friends. And it's like, oh, it's so-and-so, oh, they the must be part of that group, or, you know. And there's none of that kind of thing yet. But anyway, anyway, I'm sure it'll come. I've just thought, going back to the ping, 
Um, yeah. The name Ping, do you think it's been done deliberately because of the Microsoft uh, Bing? Bing. <laughs> it could be, yeah. <laughs> you know, with it being so similar and you've basically we've Microsoft have released this search engine which obviously they're open is going to rival Google and what have you it's yeah. going to be they, they're going to work at trying to make it their big thing yeah. and it's called Bing because of the yeah. noise it makes so suddenly Apple have come out and released our social <laughs> network site on iTunes called Ping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might just be just teasing them slightly and there you go anything you can do <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> This week's podcast of the week, as you heard from the advertisement earlier, it's the Martians Are Here podcast. Over to you, Anthony. Yeah, uh, the Martians Are Here podcast. Um, now, this is a it's a Podbean one um, that you can find at themartiansarehere.podbean.com. Yep. Um, and I think they've actually got their own site up and running now, so I think you can just go to um, themartiansarehere.com. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think either of them have. Uh, neither of them has got a www. It's just the Martians are here. Yeah. Um, now it's a serialised sci-fi story by Australian author, and I don't know how to pronounce this surname, even though I've heard it mentioned a few times. So I'm going to say Stefan Sorenot. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> well done. Oh, this throat, you know, this tonsillitis <laughs> I've had. Right. Now, it's um, it's obviously it's a fictional sci-fi story that's serialised. It's, um, it's very dark and it's very original and it's a story that I'm really enjoying. Yeah. Um, I can, you know, highly recommend it to all fans of sci-fi. It's got a, an old-schooly feel, sci-fi feel to it, at okay. the same time as being really modern and what have you yeah. and it's one of these when it starts off it throws you straight into the thick of it and you think bloody hell what's happening here and it's it's really coming along yeah. now the interesting thing about this one is most of the people associated with it seem to be from or from around the uh, treks in sci-fi community of okay. which i am a part of yeah um, now We've mentioned Rick Moyer from the uh, Take Him With You podcast. That's um, right, yeah. He was a podcast of the week. Now, he reads this podcast. He, he He's actually uh, doing all the reading for it. Okay. Uh, and also providing all the music, does all the music production and sound effects and, you know, creates the atmosphere. He's, he's responsible for creating the atmosphere that's generated and doing a fantastic job of it. Yeah. Um, now, this... 12 more episodes to go. Uh, I, th I think there's... Oh, I've not written down the total number. I think it's it's 30-odd altogether episodes. Okay. Uh, there's only 12 more to go. They're hoping to have the um, this particular story, this first story, finished by Christmas. Okay. Um, now, next year, the plan is to do two more main theme stories. Uh, one of them is going to be a, a teenage-based sci-fi story. The second one is going to be the second instalment of The Martians Are Here um, story. It's basically going to be book two. Okay. Um, now, what they also do, um, you don't just get the uh, the main Martians Are Here story, uh, yeah. the main serialized story. Um, what they do is they bring in guest writers who occasionally release their own single-episode sci-fi stories. Okay. Uh, so basically, these appear on the Martians are ear feed. Um, now, these guest stories have been equally as fantastic, if not better. So, you know, it, it's so hard to say because they're so different in style. Um, yeah. They've been absolutely fantastic. Um, and these guest writers all hail also from the Treks in Sci Fi Forum. Okay. Um, now, we've had a story called Once a Jolly Swagman. Uh, this was from Meds from the Waffle On podcast. Okay. And this was a very, very dark. It was a comedy. It was a very dark comedy. Um, I would say it wasn't really so much aimed at younger listeners. It was more PG 13 listeners. Uh, really enjoyable story. And I've heard that he's going to be doing a second part as well. Although that was a while ago, whether he's still planning to. Uh, okay. That one was released. Uh, Jen from the Anomaly podcast, uh, she did a children's sci-fi story called Little Bit of Trouble. Okay. Uh, basically, Little Bit was a, um, it's a kid's robot 
gerbil, a gerbot, it was called. And it was it's a kiddie story. It's absolutely fantastic. My children loved it, you know, put it on in the car. They absolutely loved it. It's a re- it's a comedy, it's funny, um, it's cute as well, because basically you've got this gerbot talking, you can hear it, the humans can't, and he saves the day from space pirates. And it's it's a typical children's story which is absolutely fantastic yeah uh, for me uh, th- there was another story done by mike featherstone now he hasn't got a podcast he's one of the community members of treks in sci-fi and okay. he, he has done a uh, he did a guest um a guest host episode of treks in sci-fi now he wrote a story called pyramid and this is a real proper old school style traditional sci-fi story um and I can't really tell you anything about it because it'll ruin the story. But it's one of these that had a twist in it towards the end, uh, which, although I spotted it coming, I spotted it coming just before the reveal. Yeah, I didn't right, spot okay. it from miles away. And, yeah, that was really, really great. So, yeah, check out uh, the Martians Are Here podcast. Um, Stick with the main story because it is really good. If you really are not enjoying it, at least give these uh, other stories a go and see what you think of those. The you know they're worth listening to on their own. There's the main story I'll really love as well. Really recommend uh, the Martians Are Here podcast. That's this week's podcast of the week. Excellent. Well, that's it for this week. If you want to come join us on the forum, it's reddwarfforum.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter. It's twitter.com forward slash Red Dwarf Forum. If you want to find us on Facebook, you can now find us at the easy URL, which is facebook.com forward slash fiction shed. And finally, if you want to send us an email, it's scuttercast at reddwarfforum.com. Okay, well, that's it for this week, and we'll be back in two weeks with Duct Soup. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, goodbye from me. Yeah, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs>